How am I going to follow this act? This is uh, <laughs> normally uh, if you if I'm invited to uh, speak at a, a, a Sunday where there's a carol service, it's usually empty, uh, and this has been uh, amazing. So yeah, I've, I've got you now, and I've locked up the doors. You're not allowed to escape. Um, uh, we, as was said, we're covering a series uh, on uh, He will be called, and we're doing the final one. Uh, he will be called Prince of Peace. Um, by the way, if you want to take any photographs, uh, you're quite welcome to. You know. <laughs> I'm not precious. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a handsome young man. Yeah. Thank you, Josh. It's nice to know I've got one friend. Right. Uh, the key verse which I'm taking, uh, taking the sermon, or the talk, I like to call it, I don't like the sermon, the sermon sounds too, too posh for me. Uh, I'm taking uh, the, the verse here, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives, uh, give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, do not be afraid. <coughs> Very precious words, and they're words that have been a great comfort to Julie and I and our family over the last couple of weeks. Uh, it's been really tough, and, and that somehow has given us uh, a lot of peace, and, and we've sort of claimed that and hung on to those words that have been, that's been written in Scripture. Very comforting words. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give... Give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Are you experiencing some absence of peace in your life at the moment? Have you got resentment? Have you got bitterness? Have you got, have you got guilt? Have you got relationship problems? Have you got family problems? Have you got work problems, money problems? Are you being robbed of this peace that Jesus is referring to in this verse? What kind of peace is Jesus offering? What's the solution? If you have got issues here at the moment, then this message is for you. And I want you, I pray that you just take it on board and just open your hearts and just accept this as Jesus himself is talking to you in your situation at this moment. A bit like you do in the films, we start up with that verse. Now I'm going to go back 600 years before, well, uh, before Jesus spoke these words to a, 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 a sort of revelation, a prophecy that was given to God's people about God's plan for the future for his people. And it's taken from the book of Isaiah. He was a mighty prophet of the Old Testament uh, and, and in it, that bit of a plug for the book, really, the Isaiah is a small miniature Bible. And it, I haven't got time to go into all the, the reasons why, but it, it, it's the full coverage from, from uh, creation to the end. It's a lovely little book to read. Amazing. And I'm picked up on verse 9 and 6, which uh, is where we get our sort of uh, sermon series from. For to us... a To us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, 
And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. God's announcing his government that he's going to put into place. If you like, in the New Testament, it refers to it as the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And he's going to achieve this through his son, who we know as Jesus. This is how he's going to bring it about. And when you look at this scripture, um, it's something that's always been there, but uh, never really fully understood by me, is this, to us a child is born, to us a son is given. That uh, heralds to me one Christmas. It's always usually a carol service that I hear this scripture. But it is a beautiful statement that's so compact, yet when you open it up, it just ments. It really does. Jesus did not come into existence at the time of his human birth. That is very important for you to understand. He is eternal. He is the eternal Son of God. He was not born as the Son. Uh, sorry, he was not born as the Son of God. He was. He was given as a Son of God. He always has been. He was part of creation. But he was, he was a child is born. And the government, which uh, God's government, was being laying on his shoulders. It's a picture of taking on responsibility onto someone's shoulders. God's kingdom, kingdom is going to be on Jesus' shoulders. And also, when I think of shoulders, I think of the cross that Jesus bore on his, his shoulders. The responsibility, the success of God's plan depended upon Jesus carrying out his, uh, his father's wishes. And he's to be called Prince, Prince of Peace. Now when we think of Prince nowadays, we think of a title. But in, in these those days, a prince meant a ruler. He was the boss, the ruler of, of, uh, of peace. In the passage we read earlier, uh, Sue read earlier, we, we come across in verse uh, 30, I think it was, the prince of the world, Satan. So here we've got God's prince of peace. And there we have Satan, uh, who's the prince of this world. And then verse 7 goes on to tell us a, a bit more about this, uh, this government. Um, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over the kingdom, establishing and upholding it, and justice and righteousness from that time on forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And the peace that God is talking about here is shalom. It's a slightly different interpretation to what we consider to be peace. It's wholeness. It's, it's wholeness of the mind, the body and the soul. It's complete. It's health, safety, well-being. It's, it's 100%. It's not just a small section. And notice that in that, in that passage, it talks, about, it talks about first his government, then peace. Not peace and then his government. First of all, he established his government and then the peace. And his, his government will be upholding the justice and righteousness, which is slightly different to what we're seeing in the world today. 
And what I really like about it is the, the, the scripture puts in that the last sentence, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. The dedication, the energy, the, the power of the Lord himself will ensure this will go through. The zeal, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. As I say, the world's understanding of peace is where there's no war, which is true to a certain extent, but the shalom peace, the shalom peace deals with the bitterness that comes out of war, the resentment, the hatred, the acquisitions that go flying around. And what Jesus is offering here as a prince of peace is the different kind of peace, a shalom Conflict was introduced by sin. The first one was the angel uh, who decided he wanted to be as good as God. He wanted this, the worship and uh, he was uh, thrown out of heaven. And then we had the uh, broken relationship between man and God, Adam and Eve, that were uh, t- taken out of the Garden of Eden. So the sin that came in that brought this conflict between ourselves and with a- each other. And the only true way to, uh, to resolve this was reconciliation. And it's really, it's really interesting. I heard there's a bishop this morning talking about, with the Brexit talks, of a reconciliation between all the parties. And really, God's reconciliation really is the answer. And I'm really pleased that the church is stepping up to the plate a bit on, on, on government. And I think they need, we ought to be there with the solution. Um, I'm not part of the problem. Reconciliation was made available to us uh, in the institution of God's government, his uh, kingdom. And it was done through the blood of Jesus that was spread on the cross. Peace is also a fruit of the Spirit, our birthright. This is something that you get when you rejoin up. This is what we receive through baptism, is the peace. Peace comes along with love, Joy, forbearance, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Peace is cultivated in soils of conflict. And the good news, the good news of the gospel, is God is bringing his, his government, his kingdom, to earth. This was announced by John the Baptist in the, uh, when he walked onto the scene, who's... Uh, Jesus' cousin, he, he came about six months before Jesus and he announced to the world, he said, repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus, when his first preachings, he would preach, repent, the kingdom of heaven has come near. And then Jesus walked the talk, as you said, he went through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease, illness among the people. And it finishes with Jesus telling his people, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony of all nations, and then the end will come. This is the zeal of God's almighty government. He planned to push this through. So how did he bring peace? Prophet Isaiah tells us, my old friend Isaiah, but he was, but he was pierced for our transgressions, He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. 
the punishment that brought us peace was on him. God in his, and his, in his love poured onto Jesus on that cross. He poured on all that conflict so that we could have that peace. Jesus took that punishment on that cross so that we can be reconciled to him and to each other. Paul describes it as uh, being reconciled to him uh, through, things, uh, through all things, uh, both on heaven and on earth. Is this total reconciliation. God and the heavenlies, man on earth. Heaven touched earth that, uh, that, that Good Friday. Peace is being made available with God and with our fellow men through the blood that was shed by Jesus on that cross. We've been reconciled to him. And I'll go, you're going to bear with me, I'll go next is a picture of the cross. Next one. There's a cross. It It comprises basically of two beams, a vertical beam and a horizontal beam. You've probably heard this before, but I'm going to say it anyway. The, the upper beam, the vertical beam, represents to me the relationship between us and God. And in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus. We get the peace through him. Through Jesus. And then we look at the horizontal beam and it deals with our relationships with each other. For, for he himself is our peace who has made the two groups and at the time the two groups were the Jew and the Gentile. He has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law and, uh, with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity and out of, of the two, thus making peace. Our peace with each other is through the cross. We've been justified. We've been put right. We've been reconciled. Peace has been restored for our fellow men. And then we come right back to the beginning, a bit like the film, comes back to that past, that verse again, which says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. And when it says, Peace I leave with you, that's like a, a, that is like a, being bequeathed something in a will. You're legally right. So a rich uncle dies and leaves you this wonderful mansion. That legally is yours. You haven't had to pay for it. You haven't had to buy it. You inherited. It is yours. This is what Jesus is leaving with us. His peace. It's your birthright. It's yours. You own it. So how do we receive this, this peace that's been brought by the blood of Jesus how do we accept the Prince of, Peace into our, Prince of Peace into our lives? Paul in Romans chapter 10 tells us, if you declare, it's a simple life-changing statement, this. This is, the, this is my knockout punch. He said, if you declare with your mouth, 
Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. No argument, no discussion, you will be saved. And basically it comprises of two simple elements. First of all, believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead. Believe that God has dealt with all your conflict, with all your issues, with all your battles, with all your problems, with all your money problems, with all your health problems. He's dealt with them on the cross. Truly believe that you have been forgiven. A lot of us still walk around with guilt. Believe you, if you've come to Jesus, confess to him as Lord in your life, you have been forgiven. It says so in the Bible. And then you start forgiving others as you have been forgiven. Accept the prince, accept the ruler of peace into your life. The second part, declare it with your mouth. Now it's not walking round Broadgate or wherever with a big sandwich board saying, you know, um, the end is nigh or whatever. It's accepting God's authority in your life, his sovereignty in, the, in, your, in, your, in your work, in your life, in your dealings. It's accepting him. It's accepting his peace for your, your mind, body and spirit. <coughs> Refuse to accept lies that are spoken to you about what, what your failings are, what your, what your problems are. I always think of the, the Israelites that went, were told that the, the promised land was theirs. God told them, that's yours. So being human, therefore, we better check this out. They sent ten spies out to look out this land. Two of them come back saying, it's an amazing place. We can take it. The fruit, the, it's, we got it. It's easy. Yes, we got it. Eight of them, the majority came, ooh, the big chaps. They only saw the problems. In our life, don't look at the problems. Look at God. And in a way, that, that vertical beam, if it's not straight, you'll start thinking of things differently. Look at that and know God is sovereign. Know that he's in charge. Know that he's got this in his, in his control. Accept that. I always think of Psalm 23. It's one of my favourite, which almost everyone on the planet has heard. For God, uh, it's, it talks about the Lord is being a shepherd. And it talks about, he prepares a table before me in the, in, in the midst of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runneth over. In that time of battle, in that place, a hard place of death or wherever you're at, you just rest. You just accept Jesus' peace, knowing he is your Lord and shepherd, provides for all. And hold that cup, that problem, that issue, and allow God just to pour, pour into that cup. He'll pour so much it will overflow. He'll anoint you with the Holy Spirit. You will be set aside. And he does this. What I find is he does this in front of your enemies. I'm reminded as well that Jesus, when he healed people, majority of them that are put in the scriptures happened on the Sabbath, the day where man is supposed to rest. When man rests, God does the miracle. And I just think in these battles that we have, just take that time out and rest and receive his peace.